0: Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe
1: Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the easy, easy bake
0: oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. It's game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 929 FM, ESPN. Ah, yes. Happy Hump Day, Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. And welcome in to the Gabe Kuhn Show. I am Gabe Kuhn, your host, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman on X at G underscore Kuhn71. I'm alongside the executive producer. You've just heard him for two hours with Mark Giannato. That would be Connor Dunning on X at C-Dunning 929. Connor,
1: how you doing? What's up, man? I might run out of uh, I might lose my voice after tonight. Yeah, you, going... have a,
0: you have a hell of a uh, schedule today. I'm going I straight say. from here.
1: As always on Wednesday, y'all know the drill, Seven fifteen, General Knowledge Trivia, Cerrito Trivia at Celtic. Usually 25 teams deep. Usually about 20 to 25 teams deep, you know, so come out come out and hear us. And uh, hopefully I don't – hopefully my voice doesn't crack too much. I think you're good. I well, think you'll be I all right. So. <laughs> I certainly
0: hope so. In the first two hours, I didn't hear any cracks. No, no, not yet. Yeah. Now, three hours of talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM, ESPN, and yours truly. We're going to open on overreaction, not an overreaction. And I, uh, I spent last night – Watching a lot of sports documentaries. Well, really two, but a lot of episodes. Hard Knocks Episode 3, we'll get to that in small talk. I have a Tanzel Smart story. Tanzel Smart was one of the guys that's really fighting to be on that team in Year 7. But Swamp Kings. Connor, we're going to talk about an overreaction, not an overreaction. Good God, am I disappointed by that. Four-part documentary series on the Urban Meyer Florida Gators that won two national championships in the early 2000s, Tim Tebow, Aaron Hernandez, Riley Cooper, Carlos Dunlap, Joe Hayden, all those guys, God, they missed out on a lot. I, I, I don't know if you've been seeing the public reaction to it. Oh, I have. But merciful heavens, it was not. It didn't live up to expectations in any type of the sense. Like, of all, all the untolds that, come, that came out, I'd, I'd have to give Johnny Football the, the nod. It's the best of? That's the best one. That's the best one. Jake Paul, Logan Paul I even watched. I watched the Jake Paul.
1: I'm going to be honest, I have zero interest in either of those people. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Zero. I understand. Did I you see what it. that guy said about Oppenheimer, that idiot, Who? on a podcast? Who? This dummy. Logan, Logan Paul. Logan. Yeah, I got to get this out real quick <laughs> okay, before we get to right. over. Yeah, this dummy. On his podcast, by the yeah. way, a podcast where people talk, he said he walked out of Oppenheimer after the first 20 minutes because it was just people talking. What the hell did he think that movie was going to be about? It's What's about it? the creation of the A-Bot. What do you think it was going to be? He doesn't sound like he's a,
0: a frequent moviegoer. Doesn't sound like I he also understands
1: don't know art. If you, if you have a podcast, if you are allowed to complain about other people talking in a medium,
0: yeah, and he's a dummy. He's he's got a boxing match coming up. Yeah, that I will not watch. It's the other one that said. <laughs> oh,
1: but do both of them box now? Well, yeah. It's the one that wrestles. Logan, I think, is well, the one, he, one that said he,
0: it. he he boxes too, but he's not good. I get the mix. Jake up. Paul can actually box a little bit, but not like a pro. Jake's pretty good. Logan
1: stinks. Logan does the wrestling though more. And he so, seems like he? he seems like he's roided out of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, so. I hate
0: to say it. I mean, good lord, he looks well, like he's roided uh, out of his mind.
1: Their energy drinks getting looked at by the prime? FDA.
0: Wait, wait, Prime. prime? Yeah. Is that an
1: energy drink or? A... It's an energy drink. It okay. was It was actually a trivia question last week. Cerrito trivia, general knowledge trivia. Seven p.m. Seven ten p.m. It's getting looked at Celtic. by the FDA. By the FDA for it what? Is, it's. I think it just has high levels or something. It's. It's not good for you. Apparently. Yes. So. Well.
0: It's a lot of sugar, and it, it, I thought it was a sports drink. Thought Maybe it was that's like a Powerade or might a be a sports raid. drink. A lot of lot of sugar. I know that much. I've had Prime before, not not my favorite, although it's popular with the with the youngins. Very popular with the youngins. Now uh, on the show today, we're gonna have plenty. We're gonna talk uh, DeAndre Williams. There's an update via John Fanta. No one actually knows how it's gonna work. If DeAndre Williams will get a year back, but John Phantom from Fox Sports has sort of put it out there that, hey, this this may not happen. There's sources telling Fox Sports that the chances are pretty low that he'll get a year back. We'll uh, we'll talk about DeAndre Williams and what it would look like if he does not make it back for a year. Um, spoiler alert: I don't I don't think uh, I don't think you need to fret all that much. Although it it would be a loss, no question. Again, realignment, ACC, Calford. We have the California-Stanford thing just going all the way. Uh, You're trying to swing one vote because you need a uh, three-quarter vote from the ACC. Um, But NC State, North Carolina, Florida State, and Clemson have all voted against it. They're trying to flip one vote. And SMU also is getting involved with this, but they say that they want to go seven years without getting a payout. Because they can afford that
1: ultimately. Oil money, baby.
0: They They can afford that ultimately, but... The ACC is taking this seriously again, so we got to keep our uh, ear to the ground and, and figure out what's ultimately going to happen there. Um, as far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins, 5 o'clock, Jeff Calkins' show, and Daily Memphian, 6 o'clock. Ty Richardson in his normal slot at 6 o'clock on a, on a Wednesday uh, from ESPN Arkansas. We'll cover everything. Uh, week zero of college football, uh, Swamp Kings, which I was very disappointed by, among other things in college football, hopped in the blitz around six thirty. Uh, with I, I know you saw this, Connor, and I know Brad's going to be in, so I want to get a quick opinion from you. Okay. The NBA Players Association has pushed back at the hundred thousand dollar fine that the NBA, that the NBA gave James Harden. I don't think that's in good taste. I feel I feel the NBA is in a good spot to give James Harden that fine, considering what he has said in the public eye about a team president and what he's done to his trade value. It, it, it frustrates me that the Players Association is pushing back so hard against this this $100,000
1: fine. Yeah, I'm not um, – I'm curious what their reasoning is on this because if I had to guess, it it may have something to do with a few years ago, the Minnesota Timberwolves got absolutely destroyed because they did a wink-wink deal with a player. Yeah. And the NBA found out about it. So I wonder if their pushback is going to be why is the punishment on James Harden and why is there none for the for the Sixers, is is what I'm curious might be their reasoning to I push guess. back on it. Because I can't see a reason. I mean, James Harden is, it's ridiculous when he's trying to get right it. You
0: shouldn't make public comments no. like that. You shouldn't. It's,
1: it's just, it's silly what James Harden is trying to do right now by forcing the trade out. To be honest, you know, I don't understand why James Harden doesn't look at the situation and say, I can come back for the year that I opted in. He can try to show that he is still a very good basketball player and go get money on the market with free agency, because again, it was his decision to opt into this contract. He did not have to do that. We He
0: the, opted in. We're on the spectrum of player empowerment versus um, you know, franchise empowerment, team president empowerment. And, and, and the scales are shifted directly to the player right now, right. We need to bring that back a little bit. And I thought that a $100,000 fine is like an effort to try to push back. It's ultimately not going to get it back to, uh, you know, even – you know, even power on both sides, but at the same time, I, I thought it was fine. Well, and money I thought wise, it was completely fine, and it's not going to do anything to his
1: pocket. It's a slap on the wrist, money-wise, for for a guy like James Harden. So that's why I'm curious what the real reasoning of the pushback is. If it's it strange. is just them wanting to defend James Harden, I do not agree with it at all. If, if it is because they feel the Sixers should be punished in a way because there was a wink-wink deal um, supposedly agreed upon, and that is very much against the rules... I understand it a little bit more there.
0: Yeah, um, and also 5.30, last thing here before we hop into overreaction, not an overreaction. We're going to do a trip around the NFL, and uh, one of my favorite stories from today has to do with the 49ers in their uh, quarterback room. Not good for Trey Yikes, Lance, Yikes, dude. Yikes. Have Sam you seen that Darnold photo? named the second string for the 49ers. Trey Lance, third, a number 3 overall pick, third string. I mean, good God, he's fallen. And I don't know, I mean – We'll see if they can get a trade, get him out, if somebody still has sees value in Trey Lance, but that is not good Sam Darnold being second and Trey
1: Lance have being you, third. Have you seen that video? Or not the video, the photo going around of the preseason game and when they're in the locker room? No, I have not. Sam not Darnold to. and Brock Purdy are looking at, you know, plays and, and the book and tape and Trey Lance is off to the side listening to music, just like facing the other direction, not looking at it. <sighs> Tough tough look. Tough look. And he got caught at, he
0: got he got caught at a lot of strip clubs last year too. Oh, did he? Yeah, he did. Oh, I man. don't know if you saw all those videos. Uh, but. I did not. Um Trey Lance, third string for the forty ers Tough. I think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are gonna get looked at differently for trading up to make that pick. Probably. Yeah. I think. Oh, the, it was those, risky at the time. It was risky at the time, but you didn't think it was going to be this bad. No. <laughs> you figured, okay, Kyle Shanahan's done good with quarterbacks. John Lynch is a pretty decent GM the way he's put together that team. You figure all things are going to work themselves out. This one has not worked itself
1: out. No, it has not. Now
0: it's time for overreaction, not an overreaction. Now it's overreaction or not an overreaction. We are to one.
1: Crazy. Geo, on the Gabe Gujo from 92.9. All right, Gabe, John Fanta from Fox Sports provided an update on DeAndre Williams. He said in his piece that uh, named Memphis as a dark horse for the Final Four, actually, he said his request to the NCAA for another year of eligibility is still in limbo, and sources tell Fox Sports chances are it will get denied. So... If DeAndre Williams doesn't get a waiver, you need to temper expectations dramatically. Overreaction or not an overreaction.
0: I think that's an overreaction. I know exactly what DeAndre Williams means to this team. The production he put out last year, he was unbelievable. Seeing him and Kendrick Davis in the AAC tournament combined, each had 30 points. It's the first time that's been the case since a long, long time when we look at Memphis basketball history. So I know what he brings to the floor. But at the same time, look at all they have. Look at all they have. I understand that he's, he's the, a guy that could be a holdover from last year's team, and the only one left right now is Jaden Hardaway. But if you just take a look at what they have, my gosh, it's still ridiculous. David Jones was unbelievable in the Big East. Dirty work, three, could potentially play four. I'll get to that in a second. Javon Quinterly was great. Caleb Mills has been great wherever he's been. Jordan Brown was a 20 and 10 guy at Louisiana. Was a Sixth Man of the Year when he was at Arizona. Jaquan Walton was the leading scorer at Wichita State. This team still has an insane amount of talent, even with DeAndre Williams elsewhere. I mean, yes, you can temper expectations a tad bit, but no, you don't need to dramatically temper expectations. This team still has all it needs. Now, there there are a couple of things you could look at. Like it gets uncomfortable when you think about the front court depth. Front court depth, probably not the greatest thing in the world. Like, you have Nick Jordan and you have Jordan Brown if DeAndre Williams doesn't make it to campus. That's it. It's really it. But I think there are ways to get around that, right? Like, Penny Hardaway has recruited all of these tall, rangy, lengthy guys that could potentially play small ball four. If Jonathan Pierre can come along, that could be a guy. Jaquan Walton is a tall type of uh, a wing player, but he could be at a, a small ball lineup at the four. I wouldn't count that out. David Jones is a dirty work three, but you could absolutely put him at small ball four. There are ways to get around it, even if DeAndre Williams is not your starting four. I think the bigger issue for me, the more concerning part, is... <sighs> There aren't a lot of familiar faces, and he would have been a familiar face for fans to latch onto. Right. As much, as, as much talent is on this roster, it's all talent that's done good things elsewhere. So fans have not seen them in a Tigers uniform and how they're going to gel and what they're going to look like. DeAndre Williams could have been a guy with all these first-year Tigers bringing them along. Hey, Penny likes this. Penny likes that. This is where you need to put yourself on the floor in this situation. When we're running this set, this is how you need to go about it. He could have helped. With that part of it, we know the production he brings, and we know the energy he brings, especially on the defensive end as well. Um, but I, I think, really, that's taking a little bit of a backseat because I, I think that this team has more than enough talent to at least be a second-weekend team, even without DeAndre Williams in the NCAA tournament
1: fully fully agree with that right there and to be honest what you were talking about right there with uh, DeAndre Williams reminded me of a moment last night from Hard Knocks which I know we'll get to in a little bit but remember when Randall Cobb was talking to the wide receiver group about you know how to communicate with Aaron Rodgers and you know he was kind of trying to teach them like hey this is how he likes to work this is how it's going to look things like that Having a guy like DeAndre Williams on this team that is extremely talented and they are, you know, they have a ton of experience would help though, because he could help kind of translate things that Penny might be saying. If 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 they are having a few difficulty understanding, I don't think that they are, but he's just there as a as a safety, you know. Yes. Just just, just as safety, he's there. Um, I agree with you though. DeAndre Williams on this team, I think, has, you know, they could go all the way. They really could. They, they could break to where they go all the way. Without DeAndre Williams, I still think they got an shot of making the Final Four. They could still get things done. Like, Javon Quinterly, Caleb Mills, Jordan Brown, Jaquan Walton, David Jones is a really talented team. Yes. It's, a, it's team with a team with a ton of experience. They've been in big games. There's a couple dogs on that program. They still would have their depth. DeAndre Williams would be the cherry on top of this basketball season if you could add him. If you don't have him, it's still going to be a very exciting season for Benny Hardaway in this Tigers program because I still think it's the best team he has had. I really, truly believe it is the best team he has had. There's not really as many holes as, as we've had in teams past. I will say this, though. I just did the show with Mark. Mark suggested that he thinks that John might not actually know much because he's kind of hiding behind two I, levels I, of sources let me, here. Let me
0: be honest. I don't think anyone knows no, much. It's a, I saw Jason Munz Munns earlier. For, yeah, yeah. I mean, he says no one knows anything Nobody yet. knows anything yet. But, Nobody I mean, if, we, like, if you want to read the tea leaves of everything else that's happened in the NCAA, we had a wide receiver who wanted to get, had a hardship waiver that got denied, like, uh, North Carolina. You know, like, there's a lot of different examples this offseason of waivers being denied, but I don't know if that directly relates well, to
1: this particular situation it, with DeAndre. When it comes to DeAndre Williams news, you know, we talked about it. I think the streets are going to find out before anything else. Right. Like, what, what's Leon saying? What's Doc saying? <laughs> yeah. I want to know what those guys are saying right now about DeAndre Williams, not John Fanta. You know what I yeah, mean? So yeah. I, I take it with a grain of salt what he is saying. I still have hope that DeAndre Williams can but, can get eligibility.
0: But if we're operating, but the point being with this entire conversation, if we're right. operating on the basis that DeAndre Williams will not be in a Tiger uniform next year, I still feel damn good about what this team can accomplish.
1: Because we saw last year the path can break for you pretty quickly. Like You beat beat FAU in that game last year. There's a real path to the Final Four for the Memphis Tigers. That could happen again this year. A couple upsets happen. All of a sudden you need to win one game and the path is set for you. This is the type of team that can get it done. They've got the experience. They've got the talent. They've got the depth go win.
0: Yes. And and again, when it comes, like front court depth has been my only real concern, uh, like from an on-court standpoint, from a roster-building standpoint. If you don't have DeAndre Williams, yeah, that front court gets thin, but you have plenty of guys, in my opinion. Well, plenty. that could step in there and be fine at that starting four, whether it be Nick Jourdain. You could play small ball with Jaquan Walton and David Jones. Like, there are options for Penny Hardaway, and we know that Penny Hardaway has largely wanted throughout his career to go that, that not necessarily small ball route, but that positionless basketball route. Right. So I, I, I think there's ways to get by without DeAndre Williams. I don't think he's a necessity, but I think he would have been a hell of a he will be, if he comes back, a hell
1: of a luxury. And we still don't know about Malcolm. You know, let's say DeAndre can't come back. Man. If you add Malcolm, there's that helps with the depth. Yeah, it, but, it's, I, it's a different type it's a of player, but, it's but play. But you talk different. about you talk about the depth at that position. Malcolm Dandridge solves that problem for you if he's healthy. Malcolm Dandridge is a very good college basketball player he when he is you able 10, to play. 15
0: minutes a night, he like did, that type yeah, of thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I get that. And I again, I, going back to it, like I'm not going to hold my breath on on Malcolm Dandridge being a Tiger next year. Although I would probably lean that way right now. Um, it's been the weirdest. But recruitment. It's been so. It's been kind of a border borderline. Let's get it done. Annoying to follow. <laughs> no, annoying to follow. Like he can do done. whatever he whatever he wants to do. It's been annoying to follow it because it's yeah. just been these little crumbs along the way. And it's like, Malcolm, where else are you? Like, what else? Who else is involved at this point? Because Slue was the main sort of
1: conversation there, and they filled out their roster already. I. I am under the opinion, and it may be completely wrong, but I have. I think they're waiting on DeAndre. I yeah, think of waiting. course. That's to me. It seems like they're waiting on figuring out what's going on with DeAndre, and then the Malcolm thing's gonna get get solved.
0: But what? What else? Again, and this would have to be Malcolm Dandridge telling us because I don't know if he's really talking to a whole bunch of people. But what else is out there for Malcolm right now? That's that's my main question. But we'll we'll see. As it goes along. But DeAndre Williams, even if he doesn't make it to campus, I think you should still feel pretty damn positive about where this team is headed. And if he makes it to campus, more positive. Uh,
1: You should feel a lot better. It's going to be a party.
0: You should feel a lot better. But I think, again, the main thing that you're missing if DeAndre Williams doesn't make it to campus is that experience, the understanding of Penny Hardaway, the understanding of the University of Memphis. And and a guy, I think, with all these first-year guys could bring them together a little quicker if he was on campus. But I still think that these guys can mesh their experience. They've been around the block. They've seen how this thing works. So uh, still, still remain positive, even if DeAndre Williams if we hear some negative news.
1: Very much agree. Next topic, the four-part docuseries on the early 2000s Florida football team, Swamp Kings, was released yesterday, and the public view of it has not been great. You watched the whole thing. So was Swamp Kings a flop? Overreaction? Not an overreaction. Not an overreaction. Absolute flop. Man. It was horrible.
0: I, like, I, I will go out and say it was terrible. You wanted stories, and they didn't give you stories. The biggest story that was given to you, and obviously everyone wants to know about Aaron Hernandez. He had his own untold, right? Everyone wants to know about him. The biggest story we got from Tim Tebow is that he punched a guy in the face at a restaurant one night. And he, uh, Tim Tebow blamed himself because Aaron Hernandez lost his cool and punched a guy in the face at a restaurant. And apparently got swept under the rug. That's not a story. There's a lot more to Aaron Hernandez that we learned way after that. But, like, no Cam Newton story. By the way, they didn't like Cam Newton wasn't mentioned once. It went through the whole, you know, computer stealing deal fiasco that led him to Auburn. Carlos Dunlap had a DUI before 09, the 09 SEC championship. That wasn't mentioned. The Aaron Hernandez thing, we had one story about Aaron Hernandez, nothing else. We didn't learn about the Pouncey twins. What, like, what are we doing? Pouncy twins and Aaron Hernandez, they were tight in college. We didn't learn anything about their relationship. I mean, I I could keep going down. Urban, like, remember he had like a heart attack at one point. Didn't hear anything about that. Uh, Zach Smith. Remember Zach Smith at Ohio State who got uh, fired at Ohio State? He was at Florida as the wide receivers coach with Urban Myers and again at Ohio State as a wide receivers coach. Uh, He had some issues with domestic violence. That never got told. Riley Cooper. I I didn't even mention Riley Cooper. You just saw highlights of Riley Cooper. (laughs) Life after Tebow, it, it just missed so much. And I understand that, like, in this day and age, when you want access and you need to tell a story, you want to get the guys that were in the room. But I feel as if getting Urban Meyer and getting him on board with this whole thing took the story away because he doesn't want some of those graphic, terrible details getting out. It, it became, in my opinion, it's about three hours worth of, of content between four episodes. It felt like Urban Meyer propaganda. That's what it felt like. Urban has had a really troubled career. Yes, storied. Yes, successful. But very troubled. And you left most of those troubles out and made him look like a good guy. When they brought up the crime and all of the things that happened off of the field, it was Urban after that saying, well, I had to get a hold on that stuff. You never got a hold on it, Urban. You never did. And he tried to make himself look like a good guy. He said, uh, you know, he, people were calling for him to kick guys off the team. He brought an example of a guy who he kicked off the team for hitting his girlfriend. And he died a year later, and that's why he never kicks anybody off the team. It just became three hours worth of Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow propaganda. And I understand that some of the, like, Last Dance was Michael Jordan propaganda for the most part. Right? But they did add more stories. Like, there was narratives. There was things injected into the last dance that made it more compelling. I don't think I learned anything new about Florida through the early 2000s with Urban Meyer. I think I know exactly what I knew yesterday, I know today to be true, about Urban
1: Meyer and the national championships he won at Florida. And it frustrated me because I had very high hopes. It feels like a really... Missed opportunity, but I am also thinking that we'll probably get a real documentary about this team like 10 years from now, because if you want to do a documentary that dives into the ugliness of, of something like this, there has to be a lot of time in between. Think about the you. Think yeah. about how much time was between that those teams and when that documentary came out. It was enough. I mean, the end of the time. U the, the U part 2 was two, early, like 2000s early 2000. But but they gave it enough time to where the real stories came out and it really seemed and like I there agree. wasn't That's anybody one of the best trying to for 30 for 30s. Out well, there. because there wasn't anybody trying to do uh like they weren't trying to do image repair kind of like Urban Meyer's trying to do right now. And let's be honest, let's be fully honest about it. Tim Tebow's not going to tell you the stories. He's just not going to do it. It's, I, Tim Tebow's a good dude. I was rooting for him when, when he was in the NFL. I hated him when he was in college because yeah. he tortured me at Tennessee. But you're not going to get what you want from this documentary by interviewing Tim Tebow. Not going to happen. You're not going to get it from Urban Meyer. You've got to go find the disgruntled third-string guy that wants to tell the stories that happened in the locker room. You've got to go find the guy that got fired by Florida to tell the stories in the locker room. You've got to go find those guys to get the real story about when, what went on here. He's, like you said, we knew all of this stuff. You had a player... C- choke one of your coaches, and it's not mentioned. It's not one. It's not mentioned. You brought up the Jordan documentary. Yeah, it was a puff piece, but to be honest, it's kind of, you know, I'm, Jordan's thing was a legacy builder for Jordan, and it is funny to talk about it that way, but it's he's also Michael Jordan. Like, we saw that stuff happen, and you did hear some the stories that you didn't though, hear. The stories. Right. There's there stories. He, there, there were real stories in there, like the one about him punching the guy in practice, things like, like, there were a lot of things that made maybe, it maybe, and I, I
0: think I can get with you on the fact that, Maybe we're not far enough removed to talk about all of the crime and the issues that were happening off the field because people are still, you know, embarrassed by it and they don't want to bring it up, yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, man, why make the documentary now if you couldn't tell any of those stories? Right. I just, I just feel like it's it's a complete flop. And you did four parts that just all ran together, three hours worth of Urban Meyer, Florida propaganda. It's, they, it's I, I, it just It was very frustrating for me watching that. The entire time. I, I watched through all four episodes, tried to find something new that I didn't know. I didn't find a single thing, really, that I didn't know.
1: I think the frustrating thing about this situation specifically is that they advertise this as the truth about these yes, Gator exactly. teams. And, they had advertised and how long
0: it, have we been asking for this? Right. Riley Cooper and Aaron Hernandez and Cam Newton and Tim Tebow and all these guys on the same team was with a Urban Meyer years. coaching. That was a joke, but at the same time, we all wanted that intrusive look at what was going on with all those different
1: personalities, and this did not deliver. It it was a bit of false advertising. If they had been – if they have advertised this as, listen, we're going to touch on a few things, but it's going to essentially be a highlight reel about how awesome these teams were – all right, I understand that a little bit more. It sounds like that would have been what this documentary is, but they really made it seem like they were going to get into the nitty and the gritty of all of the things that went down there. And it's just an Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow. They were awesome, and everything yeah. was fine. Don't look over here, type of documentary, which is it's it's disappointing. which is what it was at the time.
0: Yeah, in the moment, that's what it was. Look how good Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow are. The, that crime over there, yeah, the sweep to the side. Look at this. Look at this shiny thing. Did you see the jump pass? Yeah, did you see? exactly, exactly. <laughs> He's kneeling. He's kneeling. Exactly. It, it, it's just I, I expected
1: more. I expected. And Hernandez. Never I'm not going to tell them.
0: people to not watch it. I think the, you, I mean, it's there's some entertainment value to it. Like, I mean, it's fine. Just I think there's an entertainment value just reliving that moment because that was a pretty substantial moment in college football history. We can admit that, but it left out a whole lot.
1: They were it's such a compelling story because they were such a special team. That yes. really is true. That they were incredible. You felt like you were playing Goliath when you were playing the Florida Gators at that time. You it felt hopeless playing against them because they were going to figure it out. Tim Tebow was going to figure it out. You can still do that documentary while still doing the dark side of it as well. And that is compelling. That brings people in. A puff and piece, not I want to hear. I don't want to hear, it. What, I don't the, hear the, it.
0: The 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 gruesome, tough details to talk about, that's what people want to know.
1: Yeah, the human Let's stories. Tell the human stories, even if they're ugly.
0: Exactly, exactly. So that, it is what it is. Four-part documentary series, Swap Kings, came out yesterday. I watched every bit of it, and I was, I was disappointed. I was disappointed, to say the least. Now, realignment is uh, a continued conversation. The ACC, Cal, Stanford, and SMU is now involved in the whole thing. I want to talk about that when we return, because there's some interesting details that have emerged since yesterday. We'll do that right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Football season is quickly approaching, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets back every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets back for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on just about anything. Spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash GabeK. That's my promo code G-A-B-E-K, and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's fanduelcom slash Gabe K. G-A-B-E-K. You must be 21 plus and present in Tennessee. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Max bonus $50 unless specified otherwise. Restrictions apply. See full terms at Fandle.com slash sportsbook. If you have a gambling problem, call the Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789. So the ACC, Cal, Stanford, and SMU. There's more reports coming out. Of course, they need, from a voting perspective of ACC members, Notre Dame being a full voting member, they need to get 12 of 15 to reach the 75% threshold, the three-quarter threshold, to get those teams voted into the conference. Now, Cal and Stanford, they're in an interesting situation. They have to get North Carolina, North Carolina State, Florida State, or Clemson to switch a vote. North Carolina and North Carolina State seem to be in lockstep. They're in the same state. Florida State and Clemson, I'm not sure that they want to bring in extra teams to potentially split the pot, but it is what it is. I look at Cal and Stanford. Cal and Stanford are talking about taking a small share, a smaller share, a cut share of a media rights deal for seven years. And after seven years, I think they'd be finally on par with what the ACC is making, around $31 million per school. SMU's on the outside looking in, but they have said – They won't take money. They won't take money for seven years to be able to get in. Will not take money. So they would not take any of the media rights deal, and they're going to fork over a $10 million exit fee to the the AAC, to the American Athletic Conference. And that's probably, from what I understand, Connor, you have the number more, a little better figured out, $210 million worth of forfeited funds is what it sounds
1: like. Around that number, I I think, is the one that's being thrown around, which is, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's another one of those circumstances where you feel like, you know being a being the University of yep. Memphis you have all of the all the things that fit the criteria but you are not selected you know Isaiah Thomas voice because you can't pay that bill you can't do that when you're the University of Memphis you know we joke about all the time that when memphis needs money sometimes you can look over at fred smith and say hey man you want to run that card you want to cut a check but they're but asking that feels money like a, that's a huge price especially on top of it when you're already having to ask the, the state, state for, for money, money. Yep. With, with for money with you know with the renovations happening you also have a mayoral race going on and jim strickland is a big proponent of the university of memphis but is he going to be the mayor for much longer you don't know it's just there's a lot of question marks you know when it comes to money for the university of memphis right now it's just, I, it's just, it's not possible for that to happen. It sucks. Yeah, it's one of them, you're like, damn.
0: And SMU can like, make that happen. We, they they have plenty of money that they're happen. sitting on. They absolutely can. And make it also, happen. know what it tells me about SMU in this day and age of college athletics, the desperation to get into a power conference, to make it across that cut line into the haves instead of the have-nots. It's bigger than it's ever been. That desperation is
1: large. It's worth $200 million.
0: It's worth $210 million for SMU to forfeit to be able to make sure that they have a place in the future of college football and college athletics as a whole. That That's what this tells me on the SMU
1: front. Right. And I and it makes sense for the ACC because I think that what we've seen in conference realignment, consolidation, whatever you want to call it, is there is a strength in numbers. Yep. And bringing in schools like how Stanford, and SMU – those are pretty. Those are three pretty damn still, good additions to I a still conference. I still
0: feel like SMU is going to be the hardest sell here. Uh, but sure. if they're not taking money for I think seven that's years, certainly, yeah. it certainly helps them. Now, Cal and Stanford taking money though, right? You sort of wonder how the rest of the, the voters feel. There's four voters they have to sway: North Carolina, North Carolina State, Florida State, and Clemson. I think all four of those at some point want to get out of the damn conference. North Carolina, North Carolina State, probably Big Ten is what they're looking at. Florida State, uh, Clemson, whether it be Big Ten or SEC, I'd lean more SEC for those type of schools. But they, they, they're annoyed with how the situation has gone in, in, in their grant of rights where they don't feel like they're getting paid out what they should get paid out for how much revenue they generate week to week with their TV ratings. So they feel a type of way right now, and you don't know how that's going to end. Adding Cal and Stanford to the pot's going to be going to be a hard sell for any of those People, But when I looked at 11 of 15 voted yes to Cal and Stanford the first time around, my question the entire time was, they need to flip one vote. They should be doing everything they can to flip said vote. Now, the question becomes who, who, who is the school that they're working on the hardest to go flip that vote? I don't know. And I don't know if any of those schools are going to be receptive to the idea of bringing a Cal, a Cal and Stanford in. But to your point, I think there is a, a value to strengthen numbers, and Stanford and Cal are good academic institutions. They're very well to do, relatively speaking. They just don't put all that money toward athletics, which is a problem and why their, their main revenue sports and in, in basketball and football have struggled the past few years um, to, to compete at the top of, of high-level uh, college basketball and college football. Um, but I do think that those would be fine additions to the ACC. It would be a little bit weird travel-wise. Sure. But uh, I, I think the rest of the ACC just has to decide, will the travel costs – do a cost-benefit analysis of the travel costs versus what they'll ultimately add on the back end for your conference as far as surviving – as a as a power exactly. brand,
1: exactly, and that's why ultimately, when it comes down to things, I do think that there's going to be a yes vote on this because I I think that the long term survival of the conference after seeing how quickly things went wrong for the pack, I mean, it was gone in a month. In a month, it was yep. gone. One thing goes wrong with the TV deal for the for the ACC, it could happen to them. So they're yep. saying strength in numbers is what we need. One I know thing Clemson, ACC, I know Florida State, you know, are a little iffy right now, but the teams that are like, we're going to be here for the long run, they want to add St- Stanford and Cal. And to be honest, yes, getting, say. you got to flip one person, they're going to be some under-the-table things going on, bro. They're, they're going to get that done. I'd say out of those
0: four schools, North Carolina State is the one where I'd look at it's like, okay, maybe you're on a shakier ground. Because I think North Carolina would easily find a landing spot. Clemson, Florida State, easily find a landing right. spot. North Carolina State's got to decide... All right, is our future going to be elsewhere? Would the Big Ten take us in, or are we going to have to be in the ACC long-term? North Carolina State has to decide that relatively soon, and if they feel like they're going to be in the ACC long-term, I feel like Stanford and Cal would be additions that help that strength in numbers conversation.
1: Listen, you, you may be buddy-buddy with UNC right now because you're in the same state and things like that. I know they're rivals and all that stuff, but if UNC gets an offer to go somewhere, they're not going to be like, well, what about they're NC State? Walking. They're not going to they're not going to think about NC State, so you got to do what's best for you right now, and I hate to say it, as, a, as an alum at Memphis, as a person that roots for Memphis, it, it, they need to do it. This makes sense. I, well,
0: I don't know about SMU necessarily. I don't know if the addition of SMU adds all that much to them. I know if, everyone, if, if SMU, everyone who looks you at— you have to do SMU to get the other two, you do it. Everyone looks at SMU as this insane level of growth potential because they're in the heart of Dallas and they're right there with all this money. But my question remains the same. If they have all this growth potential, why haven't they grown? <laughs> why, I, why haven't
1: they? I don't think you're wrong.
0: I, I just find it so strange. And I understand that, again, TV, the amount of TV sets trumps the amount of TVs actually tuning in. And that's why SMU gets in this conversation. But I think that we need to pay more attention to actually who's watching. And SMU, it's just, I,
1: I have real questions. I guess in theory, you could say SMU can help cook our numbers a bit. But, that, again, that's that's in theory because, yep. you know. They just they don't have a hold on Dallas the way that I think the perception of them is.
0: Now, Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick, who's going to be done here soon at Notre Dame, was on the Dan Patrick Show talking about the complete disaster that is college athletics. He says, everyone in the industry has to take responsibility here, and I'm not excluding myself from that. I think the decision-making uh, lost its way in terms of the focus of the student-athlete and what's primarily best for them. He's still trying to stand on his moral high ground. Now, he did say... He made a comment to Dan Patrick on Stanford and Cal to the ACC, and he's sticking by his guns here. He's trying to be the moral compass. Quote, you can't have two of the great academic institutions in the world not have a place to play. We're working on a solution. There's still consideration of the ACC as a home for those schools, end quote. Now, Notre Dame is a full voting member in the ACC, and they have voted for Stanford and Cal to be part of the ACC. But I continue to go back to this because I know that there was a report on this as well. If I'm the rest of the ACC, how seriously am I taking Notre Dame and the things that they're saying and the vote that they're making when they're, they have refused to be a part of my conference, a full part of my conference in football forever, right? Like, they, they still operate independently. Why do they have a full vote? I, I, would be, I would be skeptical of the sentiments that are being put out from Notre Dame's direction if I'm the rest of the ACC.
1: Yeah, I, that, that's an odd dynamic going on there because, in my opinion, the reason he is pushing for the addition of these teams is he understands, once again, strength in numbers is a it. thing that I, is going on. And I think on. they have
0: some foresight and, on this. And
1: one day they may it, – it's, it's like we may have to make the jump one day, so we want to make sure that conference is as strong as it but could possibly can I, be.
0: can I ask this? And I know that it's like with grant rights and the, the contracts that are out there for Notre Dame potentially being part of the ACC, like I get that they're in writing. If Notre Dame jumps into a conference, I have a hard time believing that that would be the ACC. Oh,
1: you think it'd be somewhere else?
0: I think that they'd try to buy out and get into the Big Ten.
1: That makes the most sense to me. It do- I, I, to be honest, I hadn't thought of that until right now. And that's, I that's, think you're right. <laughs> that makes more sense to me. It does. More money. Regionally, better does. better
0: Better fit for them. You'd have USC, UCLA, Purdue, who you play all the time. Like You'd have better rivalries, better built-in conference games. In the Big Ten, it's always, to me, been the best fit for Notre Dame if they were ever going to join a conference as a Big Ten. ACC, less so.
1: Well, especially now. Especially now. So you think that they would just front the bill and pay to get the other they, sports if, out of if,
0: it? I don't think they're going to do that anytime soon, if, that, if that's what we're talking about. But I think if they were going to join and align with a conference, I, I have a hard time believing it would just be with the ACC. And obviously, since we're talking about it down the road, the grant of rights ends in 2035. I'm assuming that's when their deal expires as, you know, members of the ACC, if you will. Like, I I feel as if that if they were going to join a conference, the ACC would be on the outside looking in, ultimately.
1: Couldn't you also say— Unless it happened in the next two years, right? Couldn't you also say the flip side of that, though, is Clemson and FSU— being like, no, couldn't they be like, listen, y'all are gonna leave anyway. Shut, like, wh- what are y'all doing? Why are you, why are you stalling this for the rest of us when we're trying to survive? When both of y'all are gonna bounce anyway? You one, could, couldn't you make the argument yeah, of that as well?
0: Yeah, one of my favorite points, though, that I heard you and Mark talking about earlier is Notre Dame. It is a little disingenuous to go to bat for Stanford and Cal so hard, when the reality of it is. You could get Stanford and Cal in if you said you were going to join the ACC as well. Exactly. Exactly. You hold the bargaining chips, Notre yeah, Dame. Ultimately, exactly. if you wanted to make this happen, you could make it happen.
1: Yeah. But they're
0: not going to. You do could that. turn
1: your jerseys in, Rudy style, and say, <laughs> yeah. "We're not playing unless style and what'd you call them, Calford?" Calford. Yes, yeah, Calford plays.
0: Yes. Um, but I, I do still love the the Jack Swarbrick Notre Dame. The academic, they're so good academically. We can't leave them out of a conference. First of all, that's disingenuous in itself because they would find a place to play. It just may not be where they want to play. Right. They could play in the Mountain West. I, I, again, <laughs> like they, could I, play, they could play in the AAC if they wanted, I'm also, but they just don't want to uh, do that.
1: I'm also very much enjoying the sentiment from the ACC where as they're as they're continually just stabbing the Pac-12, yes. they're like we're not. It's it's by accident. We don't want to. As their the arms to, yes. going in and out, yeah. They're, it's, they're, the, it's the Big Ten. Right. It's, the, it's it's the Big Ten. Exactly. Thought process. Yeah. We don't want to kill them. We're not going to kill them. But you know what? I'll take over we're to Washington I mean, we if, might, if, if we if we'll listen, save these schools. Listen, we might be. We'll the, throw them a life raft. We might be the last <laughs> knife that goes in. Doesn't mean we were the first. <laughs> Doesn't mean we were the first. That's the Big Ten, not us. Big Twelve, not us.
0: Yeah. Everybody. Everybody wants to try to save face, but what? at the end of the day, it's all. Pre- Predatory. What happens? Everything's to the, predatory.
1: What happens to the remaining two? B- Mountain, Mountain West, West. gotta I, be
0: Oregon State and Washington State. It makes no sense to me. To, I, if it was, if they were the only remaining two, I, AAC doesn't make sense. Mountain West only, only thing that makes sense for them. And I wonder how they're going to respond as an as an athletic department to taking a, I mean, the pay cut. We're talking what, 15, 20 million dollars worth of a pay cut to go to the Mountain West, and that's the only thing I can really envision.
1: Those teams, where else would they go, truthfully? If you are those two teams, what are you rooting for the most? Like, If you're looking at the landscape of, let's say that the option of the merger with the American is still on the table right now, are you, you're rooting for that, aren't you? That seems like the best deal for those two. Because the ESPN part of it is the only
0: thing that really attracts you if you're talking about a full merger of the four teams left in the pack four going to the um, AAC. But outside of that, if those two teams leave, it's like what is really attractive to me right now? Because they will have been left out of the power party at that point.
1: Another question for you. Is there a fear, if you're a team like Memphis, if you're a university like Memphis, that SMU saying, we will pay $210 million to get this done, we will do this, are you afraid that a precedent might get set where conferences say, okay, y'all can come, but you got to do what SMU did? (laughs) Yes, of course. That's my fear.
0: is SMU is very – it's rare to have a school that is – able to do what SMU is planning or hoping they can do. Like, what other schools can really make that happen? Like, especially right. in the AAC, Tulane can't make that
1: happen. UTSA can't make that you happen. You think the... But I, to, like the rest I, of, I don't, the, don't the re- think the conferences would have I, any sympathy I, for that. I don't though. like...
0: And even the teams that are left in the Pack 4 like, you know, if it's Washington State or Oregon State, they can't make that happen. SMU is one of one of one, in my opinion, that can truly take that type of loss and then turn it into, okay, I'm part of the power
1: party. That dollar amount, yes. However, they might say, you know, we know that y'all can't match the 200 that SMU is doing to get it done. What about 50, or what about this, or what about three years of no TV deal, two years of no? TV. You see what I'm saying? So I'm afraid that it might start a trend of of that happening. But to your point, SMU might also be a special circumstance. I think
0: they're special circumstance.
1: Although God, this sucks. It, I'm so it, it's tired of much. talking about it's, it's realignment lot. and consolidation. Just get to football, please. Yeah, yeah. But maybe a little more
0: realignment conversation is coming up here in this next segment because Jeff Calkins will join the show right here on the Gabe Coonshow, 92.9 FM ESPN.